The All Black Podcast is powered by our official cloud software partner, SAP, helping our teams in black become the best-run teams in sport. To listen to this episode and all the All Black Podcasts, subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome to episode 4 of the All Black Podcast powered by SAP. We're out of the studio today because the All Black 7 side are about to head away, defend their gold medal at the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham starting July 31st. So we're at the Mount Rugby Club Blake, Blake Park, home of the Sevens, um, and to chat with the head coach, Clark Laidlaw. Thank you, Clark. Good to see you, mate. Good to see you. Firstly, mate, you catch the rugby in the weekend. Did you, um, first test match of the year for the All Blacks versus the Irish, did you get along? I didn't get along. Uh, I just sent you a little bit of a funny story. I watched the first half at home, uh, obviously enjoying the first half. All Blacks taking their opportunities well, and um, yeah, I had to go to a Top Gun fancy dress party <laughs> starting at eight o'clock. So yeah, I caught the second half um, on the Sunday morning, and yeah, as I say, I thought I thought Ireland done some good stuff. Yeah. I, I thought the All Blacks were pretty ruthless around taking opportunities. You know, I'm sure both teams. We'll be thinking they can play better this weekend, so it'll be quite exciting. You know, as I said, I take my hat off to Ireland coming down here, playing five games. Um, takes a bit of guts, doesn't it, at the end of their year to to expose themselves to to five pretty tough games. And I think the anticipation of of losing to to Ireland the last time the All Blacks and the public have got really behind uh, those five games. So I'm really enjoying it. It feels almost like a mini Lions tour, doesn't it, where you've got the same team here for the for the month. It is, and, and one thing we often talk about is that we, you know, we don't do tours like we used to. There's not tours like there used to be, but this is almost as, as close as we can getting to that. And I'm the same as you, really anticipation around that first test. Quite nervous. Geez, they started well. Ireland, didn't they? First try and yep. putting phase after phase together, dominating contact. And I thought, geez, we could be in for a tough night here. But, but like you say, when the boys got the opportunity, they absolutely took it and were able to put points on the board. Yeah, and I, you know, that's what New Zealand and All Blacks can do. You give them a half chance and they can take it and... They've obviously made some tweaks around their attack. You know, they stopped that line speed a little bit better, didn't they, yeah. with, with a wider passing game and and put Ireland under pressure there. So, you know, the game of chess begins, doesn't it? Ireland will, will try and stop that this week, and I'm sure the All Blacks will have a couple of tricks up their sleeves to, to continue that momentum. So, so you're right, it's, it's, it's great to see a series. I think everybody looking around the world, there's, there's some good rugby going on at, you know, in these uh, test windows. Yeah, there was a heap of good rugby at the weekend. Most importantly, though, who did you go as to the Top Gun party? <laughs> Goose. <laughs> Goose. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, my next door neighbour actually had a full on Top Gun outfit, <laughs> which was uh, a godsend because I wasn't sure what I was going to go as. So that was a, a little bit of fortune there. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a quiet night, but it was uh, quite enjoyable. Good reports on the se- sequel too. It's always hard to follow up a, an absolute classic, but it sounds like they've done the job. Yeah, I went and watched it on the Sunday after my <laughs> couple of beers dressed as Goose. So I, did, I took the outfit off to go to the movies on the, on the Sunday, but my wife and I. Took my two oldest daughters along. So you're right, it's a, it's a good movie to get out there and watch it if you haven't seen it. Lastly, on the All Blacks, it's it's always too, there's always that connection to the Sevens programme. And I think of the guys who are starting on Saturday, Rico, um, Artie, good connection to the Sevens. Guys in the squad like like Caleb as well and Akira. Um, quite often, you know, um, seven, even Bodie back in the National Sevens all those years ago caught a lot of attention for the way he played there. There's a great connection between the two teams, isn't there? Yeah, I think the, the type of athlete you're after at the top level of 15s is is well suited to being the type of athlete that we need to, to play sevens. And, you know, you look at Ardy's second try, yeah. you know, it's pure athleticism, power. Yeah. 
Yeah. There's not, you know, too much coaching in that try. It's it's his athletic ability, which I remember watching him play here as an 18-year-old for Wellington when when Titch picked him. I was working with the team back in 2011 and 12, and you know he was an outstanding athlete. He was a bit skinnier and a bit yeah. a bit more raw, but um, you know that raw power and pace that he showed on the weekend was there when he was 18. So, so I think that is the connection. You know, we, we've got like young players in the squad at the minute who. You know, hopefully they'll come through this team and, and, and do well here, but you know, go on to be super rugby players and hopefully an all-black if they can. Absolutely. Mate, before we get into the guts of the interview, a few warm-up questions. And, and up until this point, we've had you know, New Zealanders on the podcast, but your heritage is Scottish. So can you tell me the first international game and maybe even first all-black game that you went to as well? Well, that's a good question. Um, the first, well, my old man was played for Scotland. Of course, um, that's right. So I can't remember the first international I went to, but I do know I only missed two between um, 1983 and 1988. So I only missed two home Scottish internationalists in that, in that time. That's brilliant. So I went to a lot of games, and I can remember getting taken out of school by my dad to go and watch the All Blacks train for two days at Peebles. Brilliant. So they were playing the south of Scotland in... Um, oh, it must be been 85 or something like that but um, he took me out of school and said you don't need to go to school these two days we'll go and watch the All Blacks train yeah good so yeah a lot of fun memories around Test Match Rugby favourite players growing up Gary Armstrong oh, half back yeah. from Scotland from feisty, my club feisty competitor yeah so he came from Jed yeah um, you know he was an outstanding player so he was always an idol I guess growing up um, somebody that was so close to to us as a town, playing for the British Lions, and he played for Newcastle when it first went yep. professional and won the Premiership. So he was probably our idol. Um, you know, I loved watching Sevens players play. Um, you know, guys like Serevi. Yeah. As I was sort of starting playing Sevens, was coming to the end of his career. So people like that really inspired you around, I guess, what was possible in a rugby field. Yeah. I know music, songs, tunes, singing, big part of the Sevens environment. Uh, when Clark Laidlaw's on his way to training, <laughs> what's on the Spotify playlist? Anything. Uh, no <laughs> genre whatsoever. Um, I love listening to. Mix, yeah, I love listening to, you know, I guess nineties, two thousand Oasis, Stereophonics, yeah. that type of stuff. I grew up with. Yeah. Um, living in the UK, I had the chance to go to Tea in the Park in Glastonbury and, yeah. and live music a lot. So we used to, uh, yeah, enjoy ourselves on those weekends. Yeah. Jerry Cinnamon, Scottish artist, yeah. uh, a little bit newer, so I'm, I'm enjoying him, but. Yeah, mate, when you've got three daughters and a 20-man rugby squad, you, you definitely get exposed <laughs> to different types of music. And uh, I enjoy any music. I genuinely enjoy any music, and I love seeing live music. Yeah, brilliant. Three guests, anyone. Um, if you could invite anyone along to dinner, who would you invite? And, and maybe what's on the menu? You're cooking, all right? There's no bringing any specialist help in. Uh, Kurt Baker's chicken pie. Oh. So he's got a little Instagram, Kurt's Kitchen. He's actually, he's not bad, is he, in yeah. the kitchen? It's a, uh, yeah, he does a good kitchen. So chicken pie, man, who the, I've got no idea. That's a great question. I've been here all day. <laughs> I think Billy Conley in his oh, prime. Brilliant. So yep. he was, you know, a Scottish comedian, obviously. Yeah. Um, a lot of time for him. Um, oh, Nelson Mandela. Ah, oh, brilliant. Brilliant. So my daughter's been learning a little bit about him at school at the minute. Um, yeah. So that'd be a good mix, wouldn't it? Billy yeah. Conley and Nelson Mandela. Great connection to rugby as well, Nelson. Yeah. One more. Maybe what's Kerr, the, the basketball coach at the Golden State Warriors? Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. Brilliant. So he interests me as a, as a coach. Seems like he's 
got great connection with his with his players. Yeah. He's obviously a successful coach, but yeah, I'd love to have a, a catch up with him at one stage. He did. He looked like a bit of a champion. He features quite a lot in that last dance with Michael Jordan, doesn't he? He looked like a, a good personality yeah. when he was playing as well. Even just some of the stuff recently around some of the troubles in America, the way he makes a stand and yeah. has some really principles that he obviously stands by. Um, I think he'd be a really interesting guy to catch up with. Absolutely, mate. Good dinner party. Yeah. Top Gun outfits and, and chicken <laughs> pie. Happy days. What more do you want? First thing I want to just talk a little bit about where we are. We're here at Blake Park, which is, and we're in the, the Mount Rugby Cup club rooms um, great spot but also not far away is is where the the two sevens programs are run out of here and also it's where there's we see some cricketers and black caps train here we see olympic athletes close to the hockey turf every saturday morning there's you know hundreds of kids playing junior rugby like in some regards this is this is a pretty special place and i can imagine and i'm guessing a great place to operate your program out of yeah we're so fortunate it's um it's an amazing location in New Zealand for a start you know the mount um, is a little bit strange for us training in the winter we usually finish by now but um, <laughs> y- you're right you know it's um, it's a real hub of activity we're lucky at the base as you say there's professional athletes Olympians different sports coming male and female rugby players coming through there every day um, but also to be based in a community where where we can get into the community you know as you say my one of my daughters plays hockey here and my youngest one's just started playing netball. He's only six. It's quite cute um, watching the netball <laughs> on, a, on a Saturday morning. But, you know, you see Debbie Fuller coaching a team yeah. at netball and then you, you get your daughter playing at the same place. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's quite unique, isn't it, um, for New Zealand to have such a, a link between the professional game and different sports as well as the community game um, almost side by side. I know, and it's, it's probably... It's probably a real benefit in the sense you've got guys like Joe Weber. I know his boy plays for Tapuna and he loves being at his rugby on a Saturday morning. I know on the girls' side, Portia coaches the Alataki team as much as she possibly can. That sort of stuff's got to, one, be really good for you to keep balance, but also keep you really grounded as well, I suppose, because high performance can be pretty intense and you can get in a bit of a bubble, but to have that release and that connection to community has got to be really special. Yeah, and you can take yourself too seriously. Yeah, totally. you know. So I'm sure if uh, we've had a poor tournament and Joy's... Um, down at Tapuna or at his rugby league on a Sunday that uh, maybe a couple of locals tell him that we've had a bad tournament. And <laughs> yeah. I think that's really important, you know, not getting too serious and too caught up in your own world, understanding where we all started the game, which was at clubs, um, school teams, is crucial to, to not only now, but to people giving back to the game as we go yeah. forward. You know, so guys like Joey, I know both his daughters play rugby, his son plays rugby, so helping, I guess, inspire that next generation to stay in sport. Doesn't matter if it's rugby, hockey, netball. You know, I love sport, and I think it's healthy for you know for the communities to be involved in sport. Absolutely. I want to start talking a little about the Sevens program. Firstly, just go backwards a little bit to the Olympics last year, and just talk a little bit about that. Perhaps debrief it because I know, firstly, it was fantastic. You got to go because that was that was up in the air for for a really really long time. Like actually weeks before the tournament there was still you know perhaps a little bit of uncertainty boys went well um you know didn't get the gold medal but but played some really good sevens but it wasn't a traditional olympics as well like talking to some of the players you know post the tournament you were very in and out you didn't get to mingle with you know some of the some of the other athletes that you often do you didn't get to hang around and and watch other teams and which is all part of the olympic experience but but what was it like for you yeah, well, I think that's all fair, isn't it? You know, we um, haven't been to an Olympics before, but I've been to, you know, three Commonwealth Games as a yep. player and a, and a coach. So we definitely missed that experience of um, post the tournament or even, you know, during the tournament when we could 
go and watch other sports, uh, mingle in the dining halls. You know, there was definitely some heavy restrictions around COVID. Um, so, you know, we missed out on that. But the New Zealand team done an amazing job of, of yep. still having that feeling. So through the NZOC and, and that Olympic committee with New Zealand, I thought they'd done an amazing job at still creating a real spirit within the New Zealand team. And I thought the two sevens teams really contributed to that yep. uh, hugely. Um, the way we welcomed, helped welcome people in, obviously the way the two teams played was yeah. was obvious, you know, yeah. that the girls doing so well to win and asked to get a silver. So I really enjoyed that aspect. I really enjoyed being part of a bigger team and, and really feeling that, I guess, that chemistry of a, a wider New Zealand team. Um, and, and the tournament, yeah, it was a little bit strange, you know, playing a proper tournament in front of no spectators yeah. to generate an atmosphere, you know, and all the players are used to playing in front of big crowds was different but I guess once the whistle went it was the same for everybody you know and leading into the tournament it was the same for everybody nobody had played so there was no yeah. advantage you know either way um, and you're right that you know ultimately you know we felt disappointed to yeah. not get the win um, you know it was certainly tough to take and it was a tough couple of months after, if I'm being brutally honest, for, for everybody in, in different ways and in, in different days. You yeah. know, it was, um, yeah, it was really interesting for me to go through that. Um, we'd been successful, Com Games, World Cup, World Series. Um, we had all three um, leading into the Olympics, you know, we'd won all three um, and then to come up short. Is part of that because you're not sort of back on the tools straight away as well and distracted because you've got so. a lot of time? to think about it, you know, like, is that, is that part of the challenge when you have to almost decompress from these big yeah, events? Yeah, and, and I think, you know, it was, it was five years of work rather yeah. than just four. Yeah. One year was a holding year. Yeah. Um, There's a lot of emotion and energy that went into not only just keeping the programme going, but actually surviving as a rugby team. Yeah. You know, there was times there where we weren't sure, you know, there was a, a large amount of the staff lost their job for three months. Yeah. Um, you know, there was players like Celesi and, and these guys that didn't come back um, from 15s that we'd had the year before. Ethany and Caleb went and played a full Super Rugby season, then came back late. So there was, yeah. there was a lot of energy went into uh, <laughs> those five years. And, and you're right, once we, we sort of dusted ourselves off, to get back playing would have been the tonic yeah. to sort of flush that. And then we ended up hitting more issues with not being able to travel. And then the World Series got back up and running and, and we were stuck here again. So, so it was a tricky period um, post-Olympics, but we're really, you know, we're really proud of the work we'd done for the four or five years leading in, we were probably a couple of kickoffs against Fiji away if we'd won yeah. maybe one of those. Um, out of the three that we lost over the over that game, it could have totally been a different game. And um, but that sevens, you yeah. know, I'm I'm really content that we we gave it everything we had. I think sometimes you get caught up in your own story and, and forget that the opposition are trying as hard as you and. Fiji are uh, they're no mugs when it comes to <laughs> playing sevens. Um, Absolutely not. You know, if you if you look at beating a Kenyan in a marathon yeah. at the Olympics, it's probably quite similar to trying to beat Fiji in a sevens game at the Olympics. It's um, the yin and the yang, isn't it? The natural flair and power that Fiji have got, and we we need to play an efficient game that that limits them, and and we need to play really well to beat them. But so it was a great challenge. And then since then, you know, since Christmas was probably the hardest period um, when we lost the chance to go uh. to the world uh, the World Series. Um, I found that really difficult. I found it really difficult for our players to stay motivated. And it's probably only, it's only since we started playing I've realised how hard that period was between Christmas and probably, you know, 
March, April time. When we were actually lockdown, got, we couldn't travel again, could we? The, yeah. The, the series were happening overseas, weren't there? Teams were playing, but we weren't able to be a part yeah, of Yeah, and it felt like it just kept, we just, you know, the light of the tunnel just kept getting shut off from us. Yeah. We thought we were going to get to to Spain, then we never then. We thought we'd get to LA and Vancouver, they got postponed. So eventually we obviously got to, you know, got to go to Singapore and Vancouver and it was good to get back out there and start being a proper rugby team again. But the thing, and I know it's, like you say, probably the the most re recent memory is always the hardest one in the sense that, you know, you went to the Olympic Games, played really well, but did get a silver. But, you know, and I don't know how you guys do this, but from the Olympic Games before that and everything that happened in between, was a vast improvement on where we come from. You know, you'd, you'd won some pinnacle events, you know, you're the Commonwealth defending champions, done really well at World Cups, done really well at a lot of things yeah. um, with some experienced guys and with a whole lot of new guys. So you've got to be, and the team, have to be hugely proud of, of that period, um, you know, because it's been a great four, actually five years mm. in between those two Olympic events. Yeah, and it has, and we've got to practice what we preach, I guess, yeah. and not get wrapped up in just winning and losing. So the way we've built a team, you know, the way the team operates behind the scenes, the culture we've developed around, you know, a real belonging to this team um, is something we'll always be proud of. And, you know, whenever I finish up with a team or I get the sack if we don't win, um, you know, I, I think we can all be proud of that. You know, the, everybody that's been involved, the staff and players, because we're going to leave it in a really good spot. You know, the team's in a great place. Yep, we're performancey. You know, we need to keep improving that, obviously. And, and we've got some pinnacle events coming up that we're going to try and win. But ultimately, you know, sevens is such a fickle game. Yeah. Um, you just got to make sure your humility is in check and you don't get too big an ego because it'll find it quite quickly. Yeah. Um, you know, you look at that final against Australia in London. We had a pretty good tournament and one kickoff, Australia just rattled the ball and it bounces and their guy catches it and he scores at the end. So that's how fine lines the game can be. Um, the Olympic final was quite similar. Yeah. So, so we get that. Um, but, you know, I guess with jobs, they really try and push and try to win these pinnacle events. Still yeah, hurts. Man, it hurts. <laughs> yeah, it hurts all right. But we are, we have, albeit the wheels have turned slowly and, and we did miss some tournaments at the start of the year, but we have been able to, to get along to, I think, four series, you yep. said, and some of the results have been pretty good. You know, I think when you look, you were second in the first tournament that you got back into in Singapore, losing to Fiji, fifth in Vancouver, um, lost to Aussie in London, but... but Actually, not too bad considering how long um, you've been out of that series and, and not really playing. I know you guys go hammer and tongs at each other yeah. down here and, and probably some of the, you know, some pretty excellent game of sevens, I'd suggest, but but not in, in that tournament environment. Um, reasonably happy with how it's been going since you've been back in the mix? Yeah, we are. Um, you know, we've debuted six, six new players, which is quite a lot. Um, we've got some guys that have only played a couple of tournaments and now, you know, starting games and with losing a bit of leadership and, and a little bit of experience and players that I've played over the last couple of years, some of the other guys have really had to lead, you know, Sam and Dylan and Joey have yep. took on leadership roles. So it kind of feels like each run of our team has almost moved up up one. Yeah. You know, our young players are now playing, our younger players that have played are now in the middle tier and, and other guys are leading. So so that's been really challenging, but quite quite fun, if I'm being honest. Um, it's really tested us to see if we can really grow as a group again. and. As you say, two finals out of four, it'd be nice to, to win one of those. You know, I thought in Singapore we weren't good enough to beat Fiji that day. Yeah. Um, I th you know, if I'm being honest, I thought we, we battled hard in Singapore and found a way, but we didn't play that well. And then ironically, we played better in Toulouse, you know, and missed a quarter final through yeah. points difference. So for the first time, you know, ever to miss a quarter final. So that was, yeah, that was really interesting just to see how we coped with that. It was obviously disappointing, but 
it was actually really good for us because it keeps showing us that we, we really need to work hard to improve. And then the next week, you know, we played one, two and three from Toulouse. So we played Fiji, nice. Ireland and France the next week. So that was a really tough draw. And to come through that and make the final um, was really pleasing. And I think give the younger players in the group and the less experienced players some real confidence that what they're doing and what we're trying to do around how we want to play the game really works. Yeah. And yet we ran out a wee bit of steam against Australia in the final. But, you know, again, yeah, it'd be nice to win. But it shows us, one, we're going in the right direction. And two, we're not quite ready yet. Um, so we've got to keep working hard. I'll tell you what, one thing that's really tough to gauge is when you look around, like, it's, there's, yeah, sure, there's Fiji, there's South Africa, and they're really strong sides. New Zealand's a really strong side. But France are doing quite well. Ireland have been in a final. Argentina uh, are playing really good at the moment and in, in third on the, on the World Series ladder, albeit a, a, an interesting season. Um, is this, you know, is this potentially as, as open a pinnacle event um, that you've ever taken a team to? I think so. I think, you know, if you take Com Games and World Cup, because obviously Argentina yep. won't play and France won't play in Com Games, but uh, I think I said to you the, the semi finals in London were for yep. um, Commonwealth Games team. So we played Fiji and, and obviously Australia played Samoa. Samoa, probably as good as I've seen them maybe since 2011 12. Oh. Um, real power and pace. They're a real handful. They've made two semi finals in a row. I know they're floating around in the third seeds of uh, the pools for, for Com Games. That'll Could be interesting. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? Um, so, yeah, I, th I think you're right, mate. Uh, I said to you before was, I think there's 11 teams or 11 countries made a semi-final. There's 14 made a quarter-final. Wow. So as a product, um, yeah. the World Series is now delivering around yeah. the competitiveness. You know, we talked a wee bit about All Blacks in Ireland. I think the reason there's so much expectation and excitement because everybody thought it's going to be tight yeah. games. So the World Series and the men's programme is, is ridiculously tight. Um, and if you, if you get it slightly wrong, you know, we say Toulouse as an example, we still won two games out of the three, but we just didn't score enough points. So even, even scoring points or stopping points is becoming so important. I think the Com games will be really similar where you'll actually really have to go for it against your lesser ranked teams to score some points because losing a game is is a possibility and yeah. uh, it'd be great to win all your pool games but it's so tight that yeah. it's not a given mate it's pretty exciting actually at the moment we're having the um, Wana Pacifica and Fiji Jura um, in the local competition um, like you say having an Oceania competition um, a couple of weeks ago for sevens like um, there's it just feels like there's some real depth and there's some real energy um, around those teams and, and those rugby communities and I think you know a lot of the Fiji and, and Samoan communities are enjoying seeing a lot more of their players and their teams in this part of the world and that's maybe a, one of the benefits of COVID is it's um, you know for so often and Kiwis as well would have so many of our players applying mm. their trade in, in other parts of the world and we actually didn't get to see a lot of them. Yeah I think uh, it feels like there's a real momentum in rugby at the minute I yeah, don't know it does. If it's because I'm involved with it <laughs> you, you're right it's um there's obviously less Kiwis leaving. You know, yeah. it feels like there's more New Zealanders staying here because they want to stay here. And through the last couple of years, there's been good reason. Um, and with those two teams, you know, it was, how amazing was it to watch the Fiji Drua play oh. in Suva uh, with a full crowd? I'm sure Moana Pacifica will will head that way next year and, and get a couple of home games over over in the islands. And it's um, it's beautiful to see. It's yeah. um, you know, it makes it tougher, obviously. Last thing I want is more Fijians <laughs> and Sam Owen's been good at playing rugby, but you know I, I think it's it's what the world needs. I think yeah. it's what the game needs. 
the more depth at the top levels, whether it's in you know in, in the club competitions around the world or, or internationally, um, is a good thing. Yeah. You know, the, the closer the competition is a good thing for sponsors and TV and so on. So it's um, yeah, it does feel like there's a lot of momentum in the game at the minute. Right, mate, you picked a squad. Happy days. You've um, you put a team together. Firstly, a little bit of adversity with injury, which is so often the case when I've heard you describe that you play a sport where you have to, you know, sprint 100 metres, have a UFC fight, and then sprint 100 yeah. metres again. You know, like that's that's the reality of the of the sport you're coaching. And there's a, there is going to be some dings and dongs. Unfortunately, experienced players like Timmy Mickelson, who's mm. been an absolute, you know, rock and foundation of our seven side. Andrew Newstub, who he was outstanding at the Olympics and or has been outstanding in the last two or three seasons. Um, such good sevens players, both out injured. Um, you know, like is um, that's just the reality of of um, sevens rugby, I suppose, is it? Yeah, it is. It's um, <laughs> it's not an easier way of saying it, is it? Yeah. It's really disappointing to lose really good players. You know, it's disappointing to lose any player, but you know, the two players you've just described are quality proven world-class sevens players you know Timmy over a number of years had a real tricky time since Olympics he had a bit of a knee injury he's then picked up a sort of calf soleus Achilles injury um, and he's you know he's had to battle over that he's actually back sort of trotting around a wee bit now and, and getting back into running but you know the come games are going to come up too quickly and yeah and Andrew with his ACL reconstruction um, you know he done that in Singapore at the time he sort of hobbled off and we weren't you know, didn't really pick up the, how serious it was going to be, but you know, after a couple of hours and, and when he got home, we all realised pretty quickly that you know it was going to be a significant injury. And and then just recently, Kitty Onavai, yeah. um, a young forward um, who was you know really starting to understand the game and, and understand his own body and, and what it takes to be a professional rugby player, has picked up a you know a pretty bad leg break and dislocation of his ankle. So there are three players that you know would definitely have made our selection, you know, tougher than it than it was. Um, it was still tight in a few positions, but if you added those three back in in a twenty-man squad, it becomes pretty deep in your squad. So, but that is rugby. It's um, you know there's nothing we can do around that, and the team we've picked, we think is a really exciting team. It's got a real mix of some real experience with a uh, Scott Curry coming back, and then. Sam and Dylan and Joey leading the team. Great for Sam because he missed the Olympics, didn't he? So, um, mm. you know, fantastic for him to be back in for a, for a big, big event. Yeah, his resilience is something, one of the reasons why he's a leader in the team. Yeah. He's had a few injuries. He has, hasn't he? Yeah. And he, um, man, it was a tough day pre-Olympics. He was probably three minutes away from the last training session before we jumped on the flight to Tokyo up in Townsville. And, yeah, he just tweaked his hamstring and um, couldn't travel. So, so that was tough, but... He's been amazing since then. He's, he's basically done every training session. He's played, played every 15s, tournament. He's played been out 15s. playing for the Bay. He's played for Canterbury. And, yeah, and he's... he got his uh, red and black top. Uh, <laughs> man, that's uh, giving him an extra leg, I reckon. He's playing for, for Canterbury. So he was excited around that. So, And yeah, all the way through to, to younger players, you know, with, with Shea, Shea Clark and Caleb Tungatau and, and these boys that have played, you know, Moses Leo, they haven't played a lot of rugby. Um, Shea none, uh, <laughs> Moses one, um, and Caleb four tournaments. But that's exciting. You know, people probably forget that Etienne Nanai Saturu yeah. was one. There was two tournaments. We picked Caleb Clark yeah. off one tournament for the last come games, but he got appendicitis um, the week before the tournament. So we have got history of doing that of of selecting some of these young players that we think can play now. You know, these boys can play. They're ready to play, or we wouldn't have picked them. So so it's an exciting team. Is that, you know, four sevens, does that potentially 
an advantage of that X factor. You know, obviously guys like Scotty Curry and, and Sam, you know, well-seasoned guys who who other teams can potentially scout a little bit. But if you throw some some newer guys in there, a bit of X factor. I know Shea was played really really well at the Oceania tournament, didn't he? And probably forced his way in like a little bit harder for uh, oppositions to get gauge in them and and have some tactics around how to stop. You know. Guys like that? Yeah, I think so. It's um, you're right. And that X factor, what what these younger players bring, it's hard to coach against if they get it right. Yeah. You know, because the raw power and speed is is a real handful. And and I think the way the games went over the last eighteen months, most teams are seven seven in the line defensively. Yeah. Um, that's new. Um, no sweepers. No sweepers, which you know, even in a sevens game, sometimes defence can get on top. You know, we pride ourselves on our defence. You know getting on top so so we've had to tweak how we play a little bit uh, we need to keep the ball alive a little bit more than maybe setting some rucks you know if you look at the way we played in the Olympics it's yeah. quite conservative really at times um, and it suited then because we could still create space on, on the far edge if, if teams are six in the line and, but now there's seven we, we definitely need to go through teams a little bit more so guys you know with that raw power and footwork yeah. become even more important they're always important but they're certainly important if they can if they can break the line and, and tackle break or line break, then I've got a good opportunity of scoring. End of the month, tournament starts it. Talk a little bit about that. Like, firstly, is it an advantage at all that um, the UK has a, a more similar climate to here in New Zealand? I know some of the places you go and play sevens are just stupidly hot, and I'm sure you do some work on that and acclimatise and, and all that sort of stuff, and the lads are fit. But sometimes I flick on the telly there and I think, holy heck, that looks hot. You know, like, is it, is it a, you know, um, a even just slightly beneficial to be going to an environment that's not massively different than what you're coming from? Yeah, I think it's, it's one controllable we don't have to worry about or uncontrollable we don't yep. really have to worry about. Certainly pre-Olympics, man, we've done, we done a lot of work around our heat acclimatisation before we left here. We're lucky yeah. to have a heat chamber here at training and through Waikato University we're able to, to use that. So it's, it's one less thing to think about really. Um, you know, there's still potential for the mighty UK summer to, to get up there. <laughs> Um, but our players are used to it. We've got a lot of strategies now. Um, we've done a lot of work for Olympics, which will stand us in really good stead around how we pre-cool or how we cool after after the, uh, each game and, and between between days. So, so that stands us in good stead. You know, if it does get up there, you know, because it can get to thirty in the UK at that time of the year. But yeah. um, geez, if it gets to thirty in the UK, every man and his dog will have his top off. He'll be in the park. He'll be down to the off license. It's all go in the UK when it hits thirty, isn't it? Yeah, uh, eighteen degrees and it stops <laughs> off in Scotland. So it's. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, I'm sure it won't be 30 degrees up in Birmingham, but um, no, we're excited to go to a, you know, it's a real rugby stadium, Coventry, yeah. it's, it's close. Um, I played there when I was coaching London Irish. Um, I think the crowd will be right on top of it. Um, you know, if you end up playing, say, England at home, it'll be, you know, be a, a great atmosphere over the, over the three days. And to, yeah, just last thing on the tournament, is it, it's our traditional sevens format. You guys are going in, I've heard you say things like... Um, you know, minus five days sort of thing to it. Like, what's, is it like a more traditional preparation um, compared to, you know, obviously things have been very non-traditional over the last sort of 12 and 18 months, but are you able to get in there and, and do it the way you want to do it? Yeah, we're, we're going early, so we, we head off oh. this weekend. We're going to go and play Scotland up in Edinburgh. Both teams are actually going to go and play Scotland. We're slightly earlier um, in the Black Ferns, but that'll help us get over all the travel, um, you know, and, and get the time zones done. And then we've got a week training in Edinburgh. And we go down into the village, game day minus five, so it becomes like a normal tournament for us, yep. which is which is great. It's a three-day tournament, two, two, and two, so same as Olympics. Um, we're well, well versed in, in what those tournaments feel like now. Um, some big breaks in the middle of the day, but it's uh, 
you know, as I say, it feels like we're a proper rugby team again. Yeah. We've played four tournaments. <laughs> yeah. We've recovered, you know, we've won and we've lost some, we've learnt some stuff. Yeah. Um, we've tried to improve. Um, so it feels really good going there, thinking, you know, we feel like our game's in a really good spot. Um, you said about training, we we had some game of rugby yesterday. Yeah. Um, it was as good a training session as I can remember, um, the way the boys went at it yesterday. So, Brilliant. So that's exciting before you jump on the flight on, on the weekend. We've got one more training tomorrow. Um, just to tidy a couple of little things up that we want for, for playing in Scotland. But, you know, we feel like we're in a really, really exciting space to go there and attack it. Brilliant. Our partners at SAP pride themselves on powering the best run team. So we're going to talk to our guest today, Clark, a little bit about what he considers success factors on and off the pitch. Firstly, mate, your time in high-performance rugby. Any common factors for success stand out? Can you think of anything in particular? Hard work. Um, I think I think hard work and uh, growth. You know, people talk about growth mindset, but people that want to work hard and want to learn and develop a great are usually, combination. Yeah, you know, and you talked about Tim Mickelson. The reason Timmy has been in this team for so long is because he wants to work hard every day and he wants to be better every day. Yeah, and it's no different. You know, if you look at the All Blacks, I look at like an Aaron Smith. Why is he still the best halfback in New Zealand? Because he wants to be better and he wants to work hard. I don't know him that well, but you can see it. You've watched him train a couple of times. So I think those two, you know, two attributes um, are, are great foundations, and I'm sure there'll be very few. There's Lord Maverick, isn't there, that, um, that maybe doesn't work quite as hard as others. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, the great, the great sports people are the people that want to really develop and grow and have a mindset around that, but are willing to really put the work in. What about for you, mate, as a coach? What do you do to continue to grow and develop? Well, the same, I guess, or I'd like to think so. Um, you know, you're so lucky now that information's yeah. easy to get a hold of. Um, speaking to people at other parts of the world is easy, whether it's through Zoom or through Twitter or through WhatsApp. It's, it's really easy to connect with different people. So certainly as a coaching group, we, we use some people to, you know, through New Zealand rugby and, and we've got a mentor overseas that we use around our coaching. Yep. So we get feedback regular around you know how we're going as coaches and and more around how we coach rather than what we're coaching. Um, so that's been a big part of what we've tried to improve as a group of coaches and myself and and yeah and working hard. You know people talk a lot about balance. Um, balance ain't fifty fifty. If you want to be really good at something, in my eyes, yeah, it's important. You know you have your community and you have your kids and your family, but ultimately, if you want to be good at something, you got to put the work in. So. So that's my, you know, I'm, I'm well aware that balance can be 80, 20 certain periods of the year, but come post-World Cup, you can flick that on its head and you can get your balance that way. So, Would you recognise a, a young Clark Laidlaw if you look back through the through the, the glass 15, 20 years ago? I was a mechanical engineer when I left school, <laughs> so um, I worked in a factory for seven years, uh, clocking in and out. So I genuinely feel so fortunate to work in a sport that I love. Um, yep. You know, I've said to numerous people that rugby has given me, it's basically given me everything I've got in my life. You know, I've, I've played rugby and I work in rugby. It gives me a job that I can get up at whatever time it requires in the morning and come happy to work. Yeah. And I think if you get if you get your job right and your family right, you know, you make a good choice around your partner, or she makes a good choice, <laughs> or he makes a good choice, then those two things combined, um, you know, I genuinely feel fortunate. You know, I've got an amazing family. Amazing wife and, and three, you know, three daughters um, and a job I love. So I'm, um, yeah, I'm a pretty lucky, lucky man at the minute. 
Absolutely. And mate, lastly, any sporting teams or individuals um, that you or my as being high-performing teams? I know we talked a little bit at the start of the interview, interview but anyone that um, really intrigues you? Oh, yeah, there's heaps. Yeah. You know, you look around uh, all the sport, you know, I, I like my football. Yep. You know, I follow manager. I used to love following Alex Ferguson at Man United. I guess I've jumped ship and I quite like Pep Guardiola <laughs> at Man, uh, Man City. But I look at Pep or uh, Jorgen Klopp, you know, I read yeah. a couple of amazing articles around Liverpool, around um, how they've built the sort of head, body and soul of uh, Liverpool Football Club. Yep. So there's some amazing reading online, you know, you talk about what you do to, to be better. But So I enjoy, you know, I said Kerr before, the, the basketball coach, um, you know, you don't have to look too far, do you, from the All Blacks, yeah. their ability to to win over such a long period um, in a small country, you know, when you start actually putting that in context, five million people to dominate a sport professionally, you know, for the last 20 years, really, you yeah. know, for a hundred years, but in a professional environment where money and numbers of people playing the sport become really important, New Zealand's ability to stay at the top's remarkable. And it's, um, you know, I think it's something New Zealanders should be really proud of. And all their teams, you know, you look at men, women, sevens, fifteens. So yeah, you don't have to look too far, do you, to, to be inspired around um, improving and trying to stay ahead. Absolutely. Mate, last question. Um, we're two here for you and for sevens, so we get back from Com Games, got World Cup as well, so a couple of massive pinnacle events this year for the programme, but um, it's been, you know, it's been a pretty disrupted, phenomenal last couple of two or three years. Like, um, you know, whether it's your insights because you're you're in it, like, what's the future for the Sevens, and and, and do you want to continue to be a part of that, or, or are there new challenges on the horizon? Yeah, well, I think the the, the futures of Sevens are exciting. I think the, the countries around the world, how tight it's becoming. I think the women's game will replicate that yeah. quite quickly. You know, you've got New Zealand, Australia, Fiji. You look at Canada, USA, in the women's game, England. Mm. So I think I think the sevens game is only going to continue to grow if if world rugby and the home unions keep investing in it yep. and, and keep it front of mind and and use it the way it should be around its its own sport, but it can inspire and develop people to play fifteens. It's male and female. It's an Olympic sport. It's got so much going for it if we all um, embrace it and keep pushing for it to improve. And that's my hope. You know, I, I love sevens. I hope that over the next four to ten years it still grows and develops um i guess on a personal front you know it's um i'd like to coach 15s again yep. at one stage um whether that's now or in the near future or, or further down the track um you know will be interesting there's obviously another olympics it's not too far away yeah um you don't have to think five years you're only thinking two years after this year so it's yep. a bit closer um, and as I say, it's a pretty cool place to live and work, isn't it? So yeah. it's hard to pride yourself <laughs> out of the Bay of Plenty and, and Mount Monganui. So, so yeah, we'll get through you know these two pinnacle events, um, and it'll be great to get some downtime because after the Olympics, it felt like there was a lot going on. Yeah, um, around keeping the program going and the teams going. Um, so yeah, we'll get through these two pinnacle events, and hopefully, I'm going back to Scotland for a holiday at Christmas. Oh, so I'm looking forward to that. My family's not been home for three years. So Brilliant. so that's the, probably the immediate, you know, get through these yep. two pinnacles, dust ourselves off and get a little break before before we start the Olympic qualification year, which is uh, yeah, it's coming around real quick. 
Mate, thank you for coming in and chatting to us. I know it's um, it's always flat out trying to get everything in place before you get on the plane and get up to Scotland first and then off to the tournament. So I appreciate you um, spending some time with us and good luck. I hope it goes well. Um, good luck to the lads. We'll all be tuning in and, and um, wishing you all the success. Cheers, thank you. The All Blacks podcast is powered by our official cloud software partner, SAP, helping our teams in black be the best run in sports. Hosted by Rob Dunn in the Hargrave Street Studio. Produced by Carl Thompson from Blue and Ginge, the podcast producers. Video editing by Mac Leesberg, graphics by Western Design, content advising from Andy Burt, and commercial manager for the podcast is Valeska Hoth. Follow the All Blacks podcast on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, and anywhere you get your podcasts.